The goal of the Salumas podcast is simple. Take a candid, objective, and often comedic approach to the human condition. In keeping with this, the use of expletives, crude humor, and references to harsh realities are commonplace. If you find any of this to be offensive, please throw your listening device in the trash. If not, enjoy the show. And we are back for another episode of the Saloonist Podcast. This is Kalu. This is Chris. This is Brandon in the background. And we have a full group today, so this yeah, is awesome. Do. Yeah, really, really good. Uh, uh, yeah, really. That's <laughs> too soon. Little Creamy's here. Too soon in the episode for that shit, gentlemen. <laughs> but uh, we had some cool stuff that we wanted to talk about today. Before getting into it... Um, I want to say that I had I'm I, I feel like absolute dog shit. Um, you got the illness? No, I don't have the illness. Oh, I'm just, just sore. Oh, you got beat up by the trail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Brandon and I went. Was it eleven point four seven? Eleven point four miles. Yeah, on uh, some pretty pretty good trail in Mammoth Cave National Park. Uh, had a really good time out there. We left early this morning. And rode pretty hard, so I was uh, very excited to be able to do that. We have a list of different spots that we're going to ride, and uh, in Kentucky and Tennessee. Yes, we yes. Check one off the list. Today. Yep, yep. So very excited about that. Uh, hope to do a lot more, and hopefully later on, Brandon will get a better bike where your wheel doesn't fall off. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? I only ate shit once. Today. Yeah, you did. You did. It was so funny. You guys should have seen it. You would have laughed really hard. He fell, baby. He did. did. He slipped. No. Oh my god, it was really bad. His wheel come off? Yeah, I mean, like, well, it, it, like, it, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it did. It did. It was, uh, it was Damn. pretty funny. Damn, so, little creamy. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right, so um, I want to uh, really quick. Did you see on the? Um, I think it was like on Facebook. One guy, like the general manager of like Martin Dodge, something like that. He had the some car like, dealership. Yeah, car dealership here in, <laughs> in town. Glass or no? In Bowling in Green, Bowling I think Green. I believe so. Oh, Unless it was God. another spot. He said some. He had like a really racist video. Do you see that? No, but I tell me more. I mean, it's I'm it is even, what it is. I'm it's not just surprised. some just some old motherfucker. He's just like being racist on there, and like someone actually recorded it and stood there the whole time while they recorded it, and it got uploaded. How recent was it? Uh, pretty recent. People are up in arms about it right was, now. Was, I'm assuming it's pretty recent, but was he th- was he being like like angry about his racism? No, or was he being funny about? His he racism? was trying to be funny, oh, but, but like, but it was just really, yeah, yeah. It's just like, hey, man, off like color humor. Oh, yeah. And it was steeped in some kind of worldview. Yeah, and, like, and, and you know, he's dropping n bombs. It's just like, oh, oh, you know. And so I was just like, hmm. At least that's what that's what I heard. In Either. like when I listened to it, I was like, "He just said, okay, okay." Yeah, like if a video of Brandon surfaced with him doing the same thing, I'd be like, "Damn, Brandon, you didn't have like, to say you all have that." To, yeah, you didn't have to just do it like that, man. Damn. Jesus. But uh, he did that. So uh, wherever he is, uh, I hope someone beats his legs in. <laughs> that would be uh, that would be ideal. He's some old dude, so I really I hope mean, someone I beats put, his legs I can put my daddy on it. <laughs> just be like, your dad just knock on his door. It's like, I heard you were saying some shit. So, uh, but yeah, I hope his legs get beat in. Um, I saw a picture today of a, of a guy with transition lenses, and I think that they need to ban them. I think they are stupid. 
So uh, if you have transition lenses, throw them away. Yeah, and to be honest with you, like Kalu feels even more strongly about this than he's letting on. He's being, yeah, yeah. He's being polite right it's now. It's rage. But don't don't get caught out somewhere with your transition yeah. lenses. Yeah, you'll on. get hit or cussed out. Yeah, pretty much. So <laughs> edit that part. <laughs> don't do that. Uh, do we have anything else to go into before we get into the? The meat and potatoes. I, I excuse me again if I sound like a little sniffly and shit because I'm still getting over that bullshit. That's all good. So, it's all good. Allergies that, just wrecked me. Well, so what, I'm like, what ended up happening? Up. Like I try not to run the air, or the heat, like, and you know, the temperatures fluctuated yeah. a whole lot. I left the damn windows open, and uh, you can't breathe now, can you? Yeah, because of the pollen. <laughs> yeah, man. And I don't really have that kind of those kind of allergies or whatever. Yeah. But between that and the temperatures and everything, yeah, it fucked me up. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I speaking of allergies, I when I was at the doctor, um, well, Saturday I tore my uh, lat. I have a complex lateral t- torn meniscus or something like that, or whatever it's called. And so, uh, thankfully, surgery is only elective, so I don't, I don't need it. Uh, but the doctor was like, "Hey, here's a slice of humble pie for you. Uh, can't be lifting heavy anymore. You gotta, you know, you gotta go light now." And uh, am I ashy? Bro, I just put on like four different fucking layers of lotion. Hey, but that that Thanks. it's that good baby stuff. Lotion's got good. Some baby lotion good. Baby lotion. Yeah, now it's good in stuff. The baby room. Yeah, and then, <laughs> that's fucked up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he told me. Uh, he was like, "Look, you can, um, you can just go on a on a cut, just because, literally, because of the damage that had been done from my knees from when I was five hundred pounds. You know, there's just no way around it. You're just gonna have fucked up knees, you know. And so he's like, "Look, you can go on a cut and delay needing a knee uh, knee replacement till maybe my mid forties or something like that, as opposed to getting one in my thirties, which would be fucking terrible. You know what I'm saying? Unless we can find a cadaver or something like that. I'll just kill someone. Maybe I can find that dude that said the racist shit, take you, his knees. You might oh. not want his shit. No, I don't want I his shit. I bet it dude. sounds inferior and ragged. It, it, it sounds, yeah, it's probably weak bones. And like, I'll, I'll probably wake up <laughs> out of surgery and be like, I hate them goddamn colors. <laughs> Probably is what will happen. I'll probably wake out of surgery. How is that racist. any different than every other time you've woken up? It really is. <laughs> I wake up and I'm like, I hate the poor. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that's fucked up. But uh, <laughs> that was pretty good, actually. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's the story right now. So he was like, you're you're either gonna go and get surgery or just go on a cut even more. And so I'm like on the tear now. I think I want to drop maybe 30, 40 pounds or so. Uh, I feel like I might look inferior, uh, so I'm gonna figure out uh, how that's gonna look because I do like the way I look right now. You know, you can't. So, you gotta make sure you can still bench press more than I can. Oh uh, yeah, that's the thing that I, I'm scared of. Hey, you better be careful, bitch. <laughs> yeah, I know, you forty dude. pounds. I'm it's like, like hey, yeah, it's gonna be ripe for the taking. Just go do upper body. <laughs> you know, I'm like, no. How tall no. is Yao Ming? Uh, he's like seven one, seven two. Oh, never mind. Shit, I thought he was taller now. I thought he's seven four. I think he's taller than Shaq. Shaq's seven two, right? Uh yeah, he is taller than Shaq. So, so he might four. be seven four. Yeah, but I don't I don't think I'll be hitting my all my lifetime benchmax any anytime soon. So uh but if I can stay above benching three fifty, even at a cut, then I'll be I'll be happy. I'll be good. And if not, then hopefully I'll find other ways to be better than other men. So <laughs> All right. God damn, he's seven foot six. You should like. He's that, a foot taller than your bitch ass. I know. <laughs> at that at that height, you're like you're like a like a great Dane. You should be dead. He should be dead by now. Yeah. He should absolutely be dead. God by now. damn. 
So well, you remember Manute Bowl? Yeah. I didn't know they made people. It was built like that for real. Oh yeah, like, yeah. His son, uh, I think he might be going in the NBA draft. Is he lanky? His, his name is Bol Bol. Yeah, he's lanky as hell too. Yeah, yeah. He's like Manute, but he's got a jumper. So it's weird. It's really weird seeing people that tall shooting the ball. Well, isn't it way like? So, yeah, he's like a dollar and twenty five cents. Literally, he is a tiny man. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, let's get into the meat and potatoes here. Um, this episode, I'm wanting to call it Phantom Pain. And it's exactly what we're talking about, phantom pain. Um, if you know in like the medical field, uh, phantom pains are essentially described as like pains that um, that feel like they're coming from body parts that are no longer there. So if you have like your if you were an amputee or something like that, sometimes your your brain will think that that limb that was cut off is still there. And you will think that you're feeling pain and every signal will be coming into you like like that limb is still there. And so what I wanted to be able to do was figure out a way to relate that to just us, you know, in, in our interactions with other people. And I think that in, in many situations, especially in like relationships and stuff like that, um, people probably experience phantom pains from previous relationships or previous damage or previous trauma or something like that. And so I want to see if that is something that we can break down. And so hopefully you guys can help me figure this out. Cause again, I was just driving, I was literally driving on the interstate and I was like, huh, phantom pain. Let's, let's see. I think I was listening to a podcast on pain and they were just talking about the different types of pain people experience and then i started thinking like what about phantom pain so let's let's talk about it well and what i immediately think of is and not to put it in these oversimplified fucking terms but it to me it's almost like everything physical that we encounter um interact with or conscious of it's almost as though there is a backup file like an eye like a cloud version mm-hmm. of it that's stored away mm-hmm. you have the physical actual version whether that be your arm your leg or another human being but then you also have the psychological manifestation of that yeah the sensitization when you encounter some sort of stimuli it creates something in your mind an oh, actual yeah. um i guess pattern of response that's associated with that physical entity and whenever that physical entity is no longer there it doesn't suddenly negate the fact that your brain has created a backup a Mm -hmm. reference file for whatever that may be like you can delete something you can delete the actual uh like and execute like an actual file off of your computer Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean every single trace of Whatever program that was ceases to exist. In many cases, you have to go in and there's there's deeper levels of file deletion, right? And and you have to get rid of all that shit. But what we don't realize and we take for granted is that even when somebody is gone and you you make the acknowledgement that they're gone, Mm -hmm. I think the most problematic shit isn't when you're in the weeds and you are feeling that phantom pain, so to speak, about that individual. It's the Effect the latent effect after you've gotten over the big pieces of it, mm. and how can that phantom pain, so to speak, kind of manifest itself on an unconscious level sure. where it's influencing your behavior moving forward? Yeah, yeah. And I think the one thing that 
really connects a lot of that is the fact that we kind of build a narrative for ourselves, Absolutely. right? And so one of the things, one of the concepts I was looking up is was centered around just narrative identity. And so that's something in psychology. And so it says that individuals uh, form an identity by integrating their life experiences into an internalized and evolving story of the self that provides the individual with a sense of unity and purpose in life. This life narrative integrates one's uh, reconstructed past, perceived present, and imagined future. Furthermore, this narrative is a story. It has characters, episodes, imagery, setting, plots, and themes, and often follows the traditional model of a story, having a beginning or an initial initial event, a middle, an attempt, and a consequence, and an end, or, you know, a, what's a, whatever that word is, denonument? Is that a word? D-E-denouement? Have you heard of that? I've never heard of that term. That's actually pretty interesting. Denouement? Yeah, but I'll say... Narrative identity is the focus of inter- interdisciplinary research with deep roots in psychology. But, you know, I do think that a lot of us do create a story. That's something that we absolutely uh, preach in this podcast is, is being an active participant in your story, uh, being the narrator and all that kind of stuff. And and part of that is that we do create this narrative of ourselves. And so when when something like this are you looking the? Did I just hear the pronunciation from your phone? Play? Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't hear it. Yeah, I heard it and I was like, I heard some voice go, Deep down, man. I was just like, huh? But, uh. Say what? Yeah. But I do think that. Is it? Hey, hey, how about you stop fucking playing it? How about that? But, uh. No, Brandon. Just quit, quit hitting play. But, uh. All right, seriously, how do you say it? Denouement. Okay, so denouement. So, um. So yeah, we we do formulate that story, and uh, and I I could sit there and think of all my like past experiences with just people, and so it's like each of those people, and it, it doesn't have to be relationships; it's just friendships. There is a there is a beginning, a middle, and an end, but it's still like as I go through life, I still sort of might reference that if I if I come in contact with that person again, even though that person may no longer be there it's easy to sort of call that part back because it just makes more sense in my head to just be like, okay, here's this, here's this thing again. Yeah. It's a shortcut. Yeah. And so I also think that like that I expect because I have this story already written and this narrative already made up, I almost, it's almost like I expect their responses to things to be in a certain way. Oh yeah. absolutely. You see what I mean? And and the moment they're not, there's, there's a, a brief period where you're like, well, that didn't work out the way I thought it would. Yeah. Whether yeah. you're pleasantly surprised or otherwise. But think about how quickly we move forward from those surprises. Mm-hmm. We don't move forward as quickly from things correlating with our narrative. Even yeah. the, the disappointing elements, like I knew this was going to fucking happen. Yep. That kind of shit. Yep. We don't move forward and pass that kind of stuff nearly as quickly as we do whenever we find out that we were incorrect. Yes. And so the funny thing is that our brains, and we've talked about this in, in length, our brains always want to be right. They always they, they have to be right because that's what feels good. And your brain is going to do everything to make you feel good, right? So when someone gives an answer or, or a response that doesn't fit that narrative, and, and one example is when you may have cut someone off from your life and they come back and they have changed or they tell you that they've changed, right? And they give you a different response than what your narrative says. You think they're full of shit. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I mean? And I think that's part of the little phantom pain that comes through there is that 
even though that person, well, maybe it is, who knows? May, like, even though that person's been cut off, you still kind of, your body is still going to react like that person is still there, even though this person is a different version of the person that you saw before. Yeah, and the, and the opposite side of that would be somebody that expects that human to change, even though they haven't changed. Mm, yep. And they romanticize their yes. past and moving forward in terms of, okay, this correlates with this beautiful narrative that I've created. Like we're getting through the rough part of mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. and now we're going to end up with this beautiful, uh, happily ever after type shit. That that's dangerous as hell. Man. It is. It's incredibly dangerous. Yes. But bo- both of those are pretty dangerous mm-hmm. to go, go along with. And I think that the key element of it is that seems to be a commonality is allowing your past and that narrative that's mm-hmm. so easy that's like a it's like a roadmap and it helps us make decisions like that's how we learn yep. is referencing things that we've experienced but it's not the end all be all and your behavior should not be entirely governed by this roadmap that your former self has fucking created yeah. so it yeah. sounds like either way you're a slave to the narrative or you're mm-hmm. a slave to your past mm-hmm yeah, you know, the I'm just I'm going through just different articles and stuff like that, and I want to see if we can break this part down right here. Um, I literally just Googled phantom pain in relationships, right? And so let's, let's take a look at this. It says, in a session, someone says, I really miss what we had. I can get over this uh, if it hadn't been the most wonderful relationship of my life. I feel like something has been cut out of me, like I'm missing a big part of myself. And then they go on to say that illusion is the mark of pathology. It's why our logo is a mask, because it best represents the mirage of normalcy that pathological individuals can often project, at least for a while. Let's talk about that. Okay, what does that mean to you? What do, so, what do you get from that? I do think that, and I, for me, it comes down to that notion that your brain needs to be feel right or feel good and stuff like that. So I think that we do create this illusion of we we need to create this illusion of of uh, a better version or something like that or only the good parts of something that might have been like absolute shit. Are you right? saying illusion or allusion? Illusion. Okay. So uh, we do. I feel like a lot of people do create or they may live on this illusion, especially when it comes to like failed relationships or something like that. They'll only look at the good things and never really look at the relationship or the friendship or whatever you call it as a whole. Well, think think about that. It, it's a biological imperative that we don't sit around and carry. Like we talk about traveling lightly. Yes. You again. You more quickly are going to forget all the negative elements, mm, and mm-hmm. you're going to romanticize the good ones because those are the ones that elicited the positive response. Yeah. And. And they don't feel good on your brain to have the negative things. Right. So as organisms, we seek out things that are rewarding, mm-hmm. that we see as rewarding, and then things that are extra baggage or negative. Generally, there's some pruning that yeah. transpires with that. So like, if you think back to completed relationships, yes. a, yeah. that you've had, where there's been some fucked up shit about it, you may not even miss that person, but yeah. when you get to start thinking about like a long pattern of behavior, you mm. really can't quite as well put your finger on specific instances as easily as you can. Like, you remember that time we went to Savannah, Georgia, and we got the hotel room downtown, and it was <laughs> yeah. a beautiful evening? Yeah. That shit stands out in your yeah, mind. Yeah, that shit stands out. Not like, remember when they did this shit that was wrong to me or something like that? Right. Yeah. So, it and, and the fact that that shit stands out and the other stuff drops off, 
to me, that's also an indicator that it's less about that person and more about you anyway. Yeah, it's abs- I, I think it's definitely about you. Yeah, because you're romanticizing mm-hmm. that situation. But especially if you're past that individual, mm-hmm. but you're romanticizing that situation, it's you. Yeah. It, it's about you. It's not about that relationship. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that's positive, negative, yeah. or otherwise. But And also, you know what? one thing? I could almost see people trying to, especially if they've gone from like one completed relationship and they're in another one right if they start having those phantom pains and i'm calling them pains because i don't necessarily see that as a good thing i think that so if they start experiencing those phantom pains from a previous or completed relationship i can see some people trying to take that other person their new person that they're with and try to recreate those memories with them in there yeah that you so that you, you can look for patterns yes. human beings look for fucking patterns exactly that's our, that's our bread and butter from yeah. an organismic standpoint mm-hmm. and so it's like now you want to take your new girlfriend to the place where you and your old girlfriend went yeah. and it's not about them at all it's just so you can replace them you know, replace that old person and fit this new, you know, yeah, fit this, someone in there. That old raggedy bitch didn't appreciate this Exactly. Place. So I'm going to take her to this. I'm going to take my new girl to this place. Narrative. It's about you. Absolutely. It's about them. And I think that's very, very, very selfish if you aren't careful. Right. And then the other side of it, and you could perceive this as probably a more selfless, possibly more selfless way of looking at it, but deliberately avoiding places, yeah. experiences, Things like that because they're linked to some past relationship or phantom pains, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, using air quotes right now. But uh, deliberately, I guess, you're still imposing some kind of past trauma onto your loved one, regardless. Either way. But I think, again, avoiding... It, it's entirely how you frame it up, because I guess that's it that's is, still man. a selfish thing. If you're avoiding well, something, yeah, I cause think it, yes, because exactly. it doesn't have anything to do with it. Has them. nothing to do with them, and I think you you are potentially robbing yourselves of potentially a good experience. And so, yeah, okay, you took someone to one place, but that doesn't mean that 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 specific place or wherever you went belongs to that person. I don't think that that's very fair, right? And I, I think. We do make this acknowledgement. Say there's a place in town that you avoid because you used to always take your ex there. Yeah. Um, we we are aware of this happening. Even if you're long past that completion point of that previous relationship, we are aware. Like, Ugh, I don't want to go there mm-hmm. because of this. Because I had such a good time with this person before. Right. I don't want to go. It's almost like getting food poisoning, I guess. You're just like, even though I really liked that food, it has resulted in me being sick, you know? Sure. But the problem is, is that we keep going and acknowledging that, yeah, I I don't go there because so-and-so used to... And I think you're hurting yourself more by doing that. You are, but we do it and then we keep it going. Yeah. Like, we keep... We move on with our lives. So, really, the key here is to don't let that shit just passively slip away whenever it happens. Take note of it and really try to unpack that shit yourself. Mm. Like if you're like, no, I don't want to go there. Like you're thinking to yourself, I don't want to go to this place because it reminds me of so-and-so you need to sit down and do some unpacking Mm -hmm. and thinking because they're still living rent free in your fucking head. Absolutely. Take note of that guys. I like that term because these people, what happens, uh, especially when you cut people out of your, your life or cut people out of your circle, one of the best things or the biggest and most important things that you have to make sure to do 
is not let that person live rent free inside of your mind. Like that is going to absolutely ruin you if you are not careful. And I think that that gets, that's one of the things that, that brings people back to bad, uh, bad relationships or bad situations because they let, they let those people live rent free the entire time. They forget about only the good things. And it's not because the relationship was good. It's that your brain likes only good things. That's it. And so when you separate it and just say, Hey, this is just science then I think that it makes it a little bit easier to get through things. Um, but I still think that there's a point where it's still going to affect you a little bit. But I think that the biggest key is having that awareness of it. Uh, it like when that moment happens, when you get that phantom pain saying, hey, it's just science. That's oh, yeah. all it is. Well, and then it, you just let it go. To, to a degree, um, that phantom pain is in some ways comparable to withdrawals. Because, really, you think so? Yeah, because okay. it, well, that individual, the presence of that individual on a chemical level elicits the release of certain neurotransmitters. Sure, okay. Let's say dopamine and oxytocin, generally speaking, are the most prevalent ones that are released. Um, so whenever you that person becomes a primary vector to elicit the, that kind of positive response, even mm. just their mere existence, yeah. Them being present, it facilitates a steady flow of oxytocin and dopamine. Sure. It's sure. not, yeah, it, it doesn't have to be these big punctuated responses. Mm-hmm. It's a steady drip of those neurotransmitters. And they elicit it through a very specific pattern of behaviors, smells, visual stuff. All this, this complex amalgam of stuff gets translated into what amounts to a substance. That person becomes. Again, it's just something to elicit a response. Yes. And yes. and I'm not trying to denigrate relationships, but on a chemical level, that's where we're at. Sure. You know? Sure. So in the absence of that vector, where are we getting that steady drip from? We're not. Mm. We're not. And that has, when you yank that kind of shit away from an organism, more specifically like a thinking organism, a self-aware organism... It's going to have a profound impact on them psychologically, and it doesn't just translate into you're not going to just suddenly be like objective about the entire situation. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with loss. You're dealing with a chemical withdrawal to a certain degree. You're not going to be thinking straight. You're going to look at yourself. You're going to doubt your fucking self-worth when in reality, nothing's changed with you. Yeah. Like as far as your worth, your inherent value yes. as a human being. Obviously, we're ever changing as individuals Absolutely. and relationships are ever changing, but your value doesn't fluctuate. Yeah. And I think part of recognizing that value when things like that happen is is learning to label your experiences, learning to label what you're feeling at that time, because if you're not good at that, that's what's going to go deeper into that phantom pain. Right. Oh, yeah. And so that's why I was saying like, hey, recognizing that that's just science and stuff like that. And then you're good. I wanted to read something really quick. Uh, it, it kind of reiterates what we say, but it actually goes to talk about labeling. And so it says um, <clears throat> women often say when they try to break off a relationship, uh, they have a feeling that something is being cut out of them. They feel like they're missing part of themselves. This sensation is similar to what we call phantom limb pain, which is actually kind of cool, which is a medical mystery of sorts. When a person has an arm that has been amputated, the portion of the brain that is used to receive sensory messages about the existing arm 
goes through a series of changes. This causes it to misread the brain messages and creates the ghostly illusion that the arm is still there and in pain. Even though the patient can see that the arm is gone and what they are experiencing is an illusion, they can't, uh, they can't stop the distressing phantom limb sensations of wanting to believe that the arm is still there. The arm is in pain, but the arm is gone. Amputees must learn to cope differently and begin to relabel the experience they are having uh, that the presence of the arm is a perceptual illusion. That's a big thing, man. So we're all, we are all psychosocial amputees. Oh, yes. Every fucking one of us yes. is a psychosocial amputee. We've all lost a piece of something. So that's that's the first acknowledgement that we have to make in order to joust with this shit, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so it says, uh, so it's living with, uh, so it is with those leaving the illusion of the pathological relationship. The emotional pain that you experience is based on the illusion the pathological uh, presented uh, a perceptual illusion that was mislabeled, experienced as a positive and invested in. Keeping that the keeping that positive illusion is initially important to you. Learning to adjust uh, adjust the cognitive dissonance, uh, which is the ping pong between thinking that person uh, was good or bad. Uh, that's the challenge in overcoming the ghostly emotional baggage of the phantom relationship pain. Uh, man, it's it's tough. It's tough that we don't. I don't think that we we put enough energy into into recognizing that kind of stuff. I think it's also why people find it easier to just go into like rebound relationships and stuff like that because they don't want to to experience you know that pain or whatever you want to call or that initial part of of sort of cutting that person off. And so I like to think that there's that there are different there's obviously different types of pain and I would think that you sort of have two options with your pain. You can you can manage your pain, or you can find a way to like cure it or something like that. And I think that a lot of us take the easy route and just manage. Well, maybe it's not the easy route because there's just some pain that you live with. I feel like you just kind of live with it. But uh, um, I think that by taking the route of like doing like a rebound or something like that, that's just a little form of pain management. It's only a short term solution. It doesn't really help out. Well, and I think that that. All of this is intrinsically linked to our propensity to want to blame external factors Mm. instead of making internal attributions for why. Like if you look at a restaurant and a restaurant is innocuous, Mm -hmm. but if that restaurant reminds you of someone else. You make the external attribution. It's the restaurant's that, fault. <laughs> that, the, that the restaurant, well, in, yeah, in a very unconscious, subtle yeah. kind of way, we make the external attribution that this stimuli, yeah, the stimulus right here, is giving me this type of response. Mm-hmm. When in reality, the shit is native to your ass. Like yeah. that, that's innocuous. The mm-hmm. the restaurant is nothing without the internal shit that you're attributing as an external stimulus. Yep. Yep. And that translates across the board. We're, mm-hmm. we're not just talking about restaurants. We're talking about relationships. We're talking about mannerisms that a new loved one may exhibit. And we feel like that that might be indicative of, you know, things that we have to extrapolate for. Mm-hmm. Like we're like, oh, yeah, well, if you'll do that, then you'll do this. Oh, God, that, that shit makes me sick, man. Yeah, but but <laughs> we're it's because motherfuckers is living rent free, really, in in. You're inside your head. Yeah. And again, you got to get rid of those brain squatters. Yeah, they are. These people are squatting in your brain. Yeah. And they and, yeah. and none of it affects them. 
is mm-hmm. also the thing. Yep. If anything, you're emboldening. If you happen to have any kind of peripheral interaction with them, you're emboldening that individual. You're giving in them some, way more power than right. they deserve. And that's what, honestly, if you look at somebody, if somebody's mad, they still give a fuck. Mm-hmm. If you don't, if you're apathetic, if you don't care, that's really the point where power's gone. There's, I think, there's I think that's there. where that's where you should be. You should. You should yeah. absolutely be at it just baseline. Like I don't give a fuck either way. And and even saying I don't give a fuck is a little bit it sounds like you do and you're angry about it. Yeah. A little bit. You know what I'm saying? I for me, I'm just like, I wish him the best kind there, of There you go. Yeah. And, and not in a snotty way. You're like yeah. yo, I Absolutely. That's the biggest thing for getting the monkey off of your back. Yeah. Is not even looking at that person as inherently a negative thing. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that I can I can absolutely say with with I want to say like all of my conviction. You know, I I'm human, so I it may not be all hundred percent, but I would imagine like ninety, ninety-five percent. I truly wish the best for every person I've I've dated before. You know what I'm saying? I wish that th- I hope that they're doing well, but it's it's one of those I hope that they're doing well. But like, I don't really give a shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm just yeah. like, I don't. But well, like, hey, man, I, I, you know, I hope you don't die in a car wreck or something like right. that. You know, like go win the lottery, maybe find happiness, do any of that stuff. But it's like it just doesn't affect me anymore. Well, you and, know what I'm and saying? You know what? Like for me, at least mm-hmm. getting to that point. Yeah. You literally are letting go of a piece of mm-hmm. you, but it's not a piece your ass needs. It's like, not it's, a piece you need. Exactly, it, it's in there. It's like a grain of fucking sand mm-hmm. in there, just causing irritation, and it's mm-hmm. it's manifesting itself as negative behaviors, yeah, and excuses and justifications. Yep, and you gotta get to those shit. are the two big ones: excuses and justifications. Dude, it, yeah, yeah, like I understand. You know, a lot of us have been through some shit, mm-hmm. but that is no. That's a reference point. But that's no excuse. Yeah, it does ongoing yes. piss poor behavior. Yes, you are not excused today. You know, you are not excused from life today, right? And experiences because of some shit that happened, you know, a long time ago with someone else that's not in the picture, right? And you know, I don't even believe like I believe in a deterministic view of free will. Like I don't mm. even believe that we're actively necessarily making decisions. We're responding in accordance to genetics acted upon by the socialization process. Sure. So all, none of those two things were anything we can control. Mm-hmm. But what we can do is actively assess things as saying, saying free will, like there's no free will. There's bowing out. I do believe you can give up and bow out. And then I, I honestly believe that you can take control and utility of your own predilections. Okay. Those are really the two points. But uh, a truly deterministic view of behavior would assert, well, that person, because of genetics and because of how they were socialized, were either they were going to give up anyway mm-hmm. or they were going to step up and assess things. Yep. yep. But um, the biggest part of it to me at this point is... Uh, we analyzing things in terms of it not being the external stimuli that are inherently linked to something negative. That that pattern recognition and that response is one of the most stifling things for human beings that don't have to worry about uh, lions and tigers and bears jumping out after us. Mm-hmm. 
because now we're we're assessing things in terms of a social landscape infinitely more than we are an actual physical landscape. And really, that has evolved at a much greater pace than we have physiologically as organisms. Yeah. So it's yeah. a bit overwhelming for, I honestly, most people can't handle it. And I think that that's where the narrative kicks in. A narrative uh, examination of one's life is holding on to the edge of the pool. Hell yeah, it is. You know, it, it's it, absolutely holding on to the edge of the pool. Dude, it's. And it, nothing gets solved when you're holding on to the edge of the pool. You can't really experience anything because you're still holding on to yeah, shit. Yeah, you got to let go of that yeah. shit and acknowledge the fact that you're not that goddamn important, Mm-mm. but you're you're all that is yep. important. Yeah, you were that's so- good. Dude, you're, you're s- not that important, but you're all that there is important. Yeah. You're, all, you're all that is important. I really like that. You're, and it's honestly, that's the paradox. And I know it's, uh, I make a little jack off motion <laughs> with my hand. I know it sounds like some cheese dickery, but like that is the paradox of being a human being, being a self-aware entity is that you don't matter for shit. We are beyond I- infinitesimally small little uh, microbes on the side of a rock in the middle of goddamn nowhere. We're nothing. Mm-hmm. But as individuals, the fact that we are self-aware means that we are everything as individuals. And then the social component elevates us a step further. That's how we kind of transcend and become greater than ourselves is through tr- social interaction and translation and investment in the species as a whole. Hmm. But I think on a fundamental level, that's all their motherfucking is, really. Okay. You know, you don't matter for shit, but you matter. You're all that matters. And then, if you want to up the ante, if you want to, you know, go on to something greater, you'll do it through other individuals. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I think that that's like the biggest key. It's I started appreciating the world a lot more when I realized I'm not shit. It's liberating as fuck, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I think even going on this this concept of a phantom pain again, it's when you realize that these completed relationships and and these thoughts that may come in is just science then it frees you man oh yeah you're absolutely free and you can uh, devote all your attention and all your energy to the person that you're with right there and there's no reservation man like how it doesn't get any better than that man and so i i feel sorry for a lot of people who are still hanging on to to the to the edge of the pool like, what are you gaining by hanging on? You aren't gaining anything. You know what I mean? You kind of, and, and, and truthfully, I think you kind of leave yourself open for for making a mistake. There's a reason oh, yeah. why you got out of that previous relationship or out of that previous friendship or something like that. There's a reason for that. And all too often, people forget why. Well, it, it it's going to leave you, again, being a slave to the narrative and a slave to this overreaching pattern of behavior that you've mm-hmm. been exhibiting. And it... It might not even happen on the one-to-one. It might not mean that you're going to keep going back to your ex or something like that. But you're going to repeat the same fucking mistakes that you made yep. in that completed relationship as you will moving forward with this yep. person and this person. And I believe it gets worse. Yeah, and you're making the attribution as an external. Yes. It, it's something outside of you. And you're like, oh, why do I keep on running into guys that do this? That do or this to me. Why, yes. why do I keep on I always date women that, that end up doing me like this? Bitch, the part of it is your ass, and yeah. part of it, like the again, common denominator in every one of those equations, is you. Absolutely, and again, don't get me wrong. I'm mm. not excusing piss. Hell no, behavior. it's not excuse. Yeah, but also something we have to keep in mind: don't enable your fucking friends because your friends are going to come at you 
most of the time, your friends are going to come at you with their very subjective and often doctored version of what a circumstance was like. Mm-hmm. And they make themselves seem like that they were subjected needlessly. I was just minding my own business. Yeah, and, yeah. No, you know, no. And it's enabling. You're, mm-hmm. You were facilitating that person falling into that same self-destructive pattern of behavior over and over again. If you just are like, oh, I can't believe that he did that, girl. That's fucked up. Yeah. Like, give you got to give, if you're going to do it, you got to give people the benefit of the doubt. And that's letting go of the edge of the pool, too. Mm -hmm. You got to let go. All preconceived fucking notions. You got to just dive in and be like, all right, fuck it. No hang-ups on this shit. Mm -hmm. What happens, happens. I got to treat this like we're starting from square one on everything. So I want to talk about, and I really love what we've been able to say about phantom pain, but I think that there's there's obviously other types of pain out there. And Brandon, you're, you're, you've got to talk in this part too, just so you know. Oh, <laughs> Look at his shit. eyes. Look at these big, beautiful green eyes. You can't, you can't you can't just man the eyelashes. I know. He's over here like doing his thing. But here, and I, I ask this because we're all sort of in this right here, and we're all sort of flying blind, but... Like, I just came across this thing, and it says, here are 13 ways in which emotional pain uh, is actually more challenging than physical pain. I think we talked about one of them, which was, well, we talked about two of them. And so there was repetitive pain. And that's sort of when people keep going back to situations and stuff like that. And and I think, again, it goes back to your brain, your brain seeking comfort in that uh, in that that pattern because your brain recognizes well, and patterns then, and then also uh, people have a propensity i think to kind of go the munchausen's route with mm. it and be like oh look at look at me and then they get the simple yep. sympathy is a drug too mm-hmm. and so there's a there's another type of pain that says cause unknown and i'll read it. it says physical pain usually has a clear cause emotional pain can be a cloudy thing full of twists and tangles that hamper the identification of a root cause let's talk about that really quick I don't know if I have had a cause unknown type of pain. Um, it says, you know, twist yeah, and pretty, tangles. I'm pretty acquainted with the shit that's caused me. Yeah, I feel like I try to do that. I think that when you, I feel like if you get to a cause unknown type of pain, you're you're burning at both ends and like you have like your life is kind of spiraling so much you're just like you don't know what's causing you the issue you just feel like overwhelmed and you just feel like general shit what do you guys think about that well, it, i think it's probably linked to anxiety a lot of times okay anxiety is that yeah that i mean that that seems yeah. that i think seems that would right. have to be part of the equation okay with anxiety and um I, which is linked to threshold mm. which it Medical conditions aside, mm-hmm. if you're just looking at things like somebody that doesn't have a diagnosable condition, um, expanding your threshold goes miles for dealing with trauma and dealing okay. with adversity across the board, oh, yeah. whether it be yeah. physical or psychological shit. Sure. Um, all right. Let's go to the next part. Did you have any, by the way, did you have any thoughts on just that? No. Anxiety is kind of, okay, no. sweet. Yeah. All right. So, Do you have sorry. anxiety, bitch? No. You, are you anxious right now, tell, motherfucker? Tell me. Tell me are you freaking <laughs> out right now, <laughs> All right, so the third one is longevity. It says sadness endures. Uh, a broken arm will set after a few months. A broken heart can seem endless. Um, I think that I don't think that it's endless. Uh, and again, it's because I feel like uh, early in my life I got pretty good about labeling my emotions and understanding the science behind, or not even understanding the science, just recognizing the science of what is going on. Like, what am I feeling right now? And then it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be okay. And so I'm, I've become very good at just taking stock of things like, okay, 
I, I have a pulse, you know, I can take care of stuff. I can still function. I can still be useful to the people around me. And I think that allows me to sort of like be okay with everything else that might be going on because I don't care what is happening in my life. I will try to, I will try my hardest to be the most useful person that you can know. And so that gives me solace whenever there's bad shit happening. So what do you guys think of that type of pain? Well, I think pathos is something that we have to be real careful with because your emotional response, be it positive or negative, has a way of subjectively clouding your judgment. And I would make the assertion that, you know, it's it's a case by case thing. and It's an ever evolving battle that you have to wage against. Uh, you know, having these emotional responses, these illogical motion, uh, emotional responses. But uh, I would say that if you are still capable of riding down the road and listening to some song and it gives you like an adrenaline rush and you're like, oh my, like even some kind of like subtle uh, back of your head kind of like you're like, this song's totally about me. Oh God! You yeah. know everybody yeah. in this fucking room has jammed out. And be like, yeah, I was put on this planet at the same time as Outcast, just yeah. so they could play this song. Fuck, and Drake wrote this about me again. God, again, he did it. <laughs> so if you're capable of having those, yeah, which we love, I love listening to yeah. the jam when I'm on a road trip or something, and I'm like, yeah, and you just are playing the tape that is your life in your yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you're capable of doing that, you're also capable of having illogical negative emotional responses to Mm. shit that are linked to that because it's romanticism that's why we're listening to those songs and shit so the negative stuff we have to be aware Mm -hmm. that uh as logical as we want to think we are at taking inventory if we are still capable of feeling those things from something like music Mm -hmm. we're capable of feeling those things from something like uh somebody getting on our motherfucking nerves oh yeah you know Oh, yeah, definitely. What about you? Do you have any? Chris just said a lot, so I mean. I'm sorry. (laughs) I always say a lot. I apologize. If y'all listening to this, I appreciate y'all putting up on my bullshit. Uh, I mean well. I swear to God. Now, do you have any thoughts on that, Brandon? No, I mean, Chris pretty much nailed it, so I'm just. Sweet, sweet. Okay. (laughs) So the next part is self-recrimination. It says there's a degree of self-anger when it comes to emotional pain. Uh, with the body, we immediately adapt that uh, illness or distress will occur. They're part of human life, yet we think we're supposed to be exempt from emotional pain. And so when we experience it, we get angry at ourselves for some vaguely perceived lack of gumption. Self-recrimination has never kept an arm from healing, but it's done more than its fair share against souls and psyches. Um, I, I can say that at one point in my life, I, I was like that, like, I shouldn't be feeling like this. Like this shouldn't be happening or something like that. Like I've put myself on this super high pedestal and um, I don't know when that moment happened where it was like, it's okay to, this is part of the experience This is part of the experience to, to go through these failures or to go through these things. And it's just, it's not just relationships, you know what I'm saying? Oh, Cause no. I feel, I feel a lot of pain for just random things, you know what I mean? But like, I don't know. And I don't, again, I don't know when it happened where it was like, okay, it's okay to feel that, but I'm very glad that I, I no longer feel like I'm above feeling something. Now, what happens is that I look a lot at the world and I feel like my response to certain pain should be, should match what I see. Like there's times where it's like, I should be 
crying right now, but I'm not. But it's kind of weird. Yo, I think, it, and again, this is more of my patented bullshit that I'm going to get on, but honestly, I think that's why comedy is, in my opinion, motherfuckers operating at this very high level when it comes to addressing trauma. Because mm. eventually coming to a point where you can laugh at the absurdity of one's own pain, I think is, to me, the the highest level of existence and don't you know in terms of addressing yes, trauma yes. uh and don't get me wrong there's a difference between what i'm talking about and people crying out for help so mm. to speak or self-deprecating humor yeah, that's a different thing difference yes. but but laughing at pain in terms of look, look we're all in on this let's yeah. make an acknowledgement of how horrible that shit was and i'm gonna laugh at how painful it was the absurdity yeah. of the situation mm-hmm. i think that to me, and I, that might be tangential completely to what you were talking about, but it's uh, th- that's that's where like I think I differ from most people when I see their responses to things, and I want to believe that I handle things yep. appropriate. I want to, uh, so obviously I'm gonna put my viewpoint into this shit. But yeah. uh, I see people freaking out about stuff that I'm like, I would not like. I would that don't bother me one bit because mm-hmm. of X, Y, and Z. It's all about perspective. Yeah, and that's true. I uh, maybe I'm a little bit cold and callous. Probably. I, I don't think you're. I don't think you're cold and callous for thinking that. But some people would, yeah. man, because other people like to be coddled. Like that's yeah. that's what they want, and that's the socially other people, accepted thing. Other people have their that narrative how the world should should work rather than how the world does work. Well, and do you, what do you think's easier to if, to enable or to facilitate as far as like when somebody it's easier to enable. Yeah. Cause you it's don't have to easier. invest in. Yeah. You don't, you just it doesn't re- take any work. You re- just repeat what they say. Right. And it's just like, okay, right. cool. But if you take issue, like you have to really give a fuck about somebody to take issue with them and then stand there in front of them and deal with the, you know, the response. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? man? <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to call it stumped Brandon. So, all right, so the next one is, um, they call it the heavy shadow. It says, emotional pain brings with it an omnipresent invisible cloud. Physical that your superhero name? Yeah, I think it was called the, uh, the Invisible the Cloud. Shadow. The heavy shadow. The heavy shadow. <laughs> They're like, it's so big! <laughs> Just cast a shadow! No, sorry. Uh, phys- it says, physical pain tends to elicit immediate sympathy, but we believe our emotional pain carries with it a stigma of, a, of an expiration date. Grief shouldn't last over long. Heartbreak, excuse me, heartbreak is unseemingly useless. Uh, is oh my god, kakagi, <laughs> 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 can't talk. Sorry, come on. Heartbreak is unseemly unless you're putting on a brave face. Disappointment is commensurate with how badly you wanted something yet failed to achieve it due to your own deficiencies. The heavy, invisible weights we think others pile atop our mental and emotional pains delay or co- completely derail. That made me laugh for some reason. <laughs> completely derail. I know. Completely derail our healing. I think that that is like that last sentence was was pretty big for for some reason. It says the heavy, invisible weights we think others pile atop our mental and emotional pains delay or completely derail our healing. I think that that's I think that that's big because. For me, at least, when when you tell other people that you're in pain about something, I feel like people 
somehow try to find a way to make it about them. And when they make it about them, it makes it really hard for you to even address your own shit anymore. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, like people it, it, think, and they it, think it, that they're helping. And so when you tell them like, Oh man, I feel sad because so-and-so died and they're like, Oh, my so-and-so died too. And yeah. they're like, well, fuck now I have to take care of you. And I've delayed all the shit that I really need. It's social capital. Is it's it social? like it took to me. I feel like it, it, you do. You feel like that you're being, uh, empathetic i guess yeah by, by reaching out and maybe and some people are but i think some people are just doing the normative social thing and responding in kind mm. and the latent effect of that shit is that i don't have to joust with you being a bitch about this whole situation because i've already been through it i've already been through it it's a yeah. latent that whether you even intended yeah. for that to be the impact of it that's what's going to happen. Yeah. They're and, not- then, and then you put that person in a position where they feel like maybe their emotion doesn't mean as much. So, or so, it shouldn't mean as much. So what do you do? You Within the moment when the person is experiencing the trauma, you acknowledge the person ex- experiencing that trauma. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go and reference your own shit and yeah. throw it back at them. Because yeah. that's really yeah. it. So, so rather than try to match them emo- with emotions, yes. yeah, you don't yes. match them. Just listen. Just, just listen. Yeah, yeah. Make, keep, keep it on them. Yeah, yeah. Don't make it about don't them. Try to find yeah. the answer either. Just yeah. No, and that's uh, straight up, guys. That's something that's hard for me because, and we've talked about it before. I do a fixer. Yeah, I like to fix shit. Um, I I believe that as I've as I've gotten older, and truthfully, as we've done this, you know, this with the saloons and stuff like that, I've really learned. To just let to, to really listen and to just let people feel, let them experience. Because at the end of the day, if I were to try and fix that, it's me taking ownership of their life and their experience. And so it's it's a big lesson for me to just sort of let it happen, let them feel it and be like, hey, if you need anything, I'm here. If you need some perspective or something like that, I can give you some. But ultimately, this is your pain. This is something that you have to experience. And, and not only... Will I not interfere? Like, I don't want to feel that shit. I don't want to feel it. And there's nothing wrong with telling people, hey, I don't want to feel your pain, man. Like, I can help reason and all that kind of stuff, but I will not internalize that shit. You know what I mean? Because I don't like I don't like to... It doesn't feel natural. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I can't fake, like, feeling sad for something. No, I can't either. <laughs> and, and I would rather somebody just be sincere about their shit yeah. anyway, you know? I wish I was like those people. Uh, that, I can't remember what country it is. It's in Africa. They have professional grievers. And so, like, if if you lose someone, seriously, it's like a squad of it's like and a squad like of people. Whale and they will, yeah, man. I wish I, how, yeah, for real. Like, I need a, I need to start a business of people that can just, they're just, they just feel stuff, and you just be like, hey, uh, well, they, just, <laughs> they call it a clue. you just call up, it's like oh, some man, some bad shit's here. happening. And yeah, you deploy them. Yeah, you just like squad go, and they just start <laughs> crying. <laughs> they start crying for you. Yeah. Oh my god, that would be actually an awesome business, though. Damn straight it. up, I had a decent like for me, like a decent thought, and now like your your squad of lamenting women, like <laughs> with like traditional garb and shit. Yeah, like, yeah. I picture them showing up at somebody's work. Yeah, they just be like, "Hey, don't heard send, some shit went down." Don't okay. send nobody flowers. Send no, them yeah. a squad of yes. grieving African women. Yes, yes. <laughs> Here's here's another part. Uh, transference. Outside of contagious illness, physical pain is limited to yourself. Emotional pain is readily transferred to others. This is what we were talking about. This occurs uh, via a number of psychological mechanisms, but the most common is displacement. 
uh, where we transfer negative feelings to someone or something, ra- something else rather than confront the initial cause and in confronting possibly heal quicker to avoid uh, injury altogether. So let's talk about that part, just transference. Um, I do feel that that there are some of us out there that are scared to feel shit on their own. They're absolutely scared to feel things. Um, and I think that when you talk about like relationships, I, I see, and it happens a lot as we get older, like two people that have both been in shitty relationships, they always find a way to each other. And I, I don't believe in damaged goods matching with damaged goods at all, you know? And I think that one of the we things... all damaged goods, though. Yes, I, I, I know. But, like, when you see two people that are fresh off of, like, their spouse is cheating on them, they're like, oh, let's transfer the stuff together. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And now it just seems like two people that are both hurt, and it's like, let's try to heal together. I don't think that that's a positive thing. Oh, no. that I, That's almost, like, steps into the realm of, like, people that are codependent. Like That's codependency like a mother. Right. Dude. And what is it? The, the codependent meets the narcissist. Isn't that the, the common duo that's. Oh, I don't know. That, that makes terms? a lot of sense. Yeah. Psychosocial terms. I think the, one of the most nightmarish combos is the narcissist and the uh, codependent mm. because the codependent enables the narcissist. The narcissist will throw the codependent away and then the codependent comes back and mm. is like, like, I don't know what I did. I'll change whatever I'll do. Oh, that's so... Yeah, and it's a... Disca- We've all seen it. Too. Yeah. We've oh, hell yeah. We've seen it. And it, it gets worse as we get older. The narcissist and the codependent. Yeah. But also, the codependent and the codependent uh, can be a negative thing. Hell yeah. Obviously, the narcissist and the narcissist, even... It sounds lightweight fucking entertaining. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> it does. It really does. <laughs> In this corner. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the one Hillary. thing to... <laughs> The one thing that plays a part, I think, is is the social climate where and because we live in the South, everyone says you need to be married. You need to be in a relationship. And I think that that puts a lot of pressure on people, especially when they come out of something where they feel like they have to be in some kind of relationship because that's what gives you some kind of value. Oh, yeah. You see what I mean? Well, and again, that's the piece of you that's that's missing. And anybody that says anybody that says that they don't experience that shit either is incapable mm-hmm. of experiencing that shit, which is a thing. Like yeah. we're all, we all have different capacities to feel things Yeah, or they're lying to themselves. Mm-hmm. Like they're lying to you and they're lying to themselves. And you got to think about socialization and how men, like we even talked about with Dr. Dial, like she felt, she says she felt sorry for little boys because even patriarchy, that's something that is commonly glossed over is that patriarchy is, has a negative impact on little boys. Yes. Like it's it it's made to be entirely about the impact that it, it has on women, and don't get me wrong, it it serves men in many capacities, yes. but it it's overwhelmingly like traumatic for little boys to be taught that they can't express themselves yes. like that. And so you stifle that open discourse yes. with somebody. And so I feel for something like for something like that happening, it, for. It doesn't affect guys until later on in life. I think early on it probably affects women. It still does them now, but there is a reason why men have a like way higher suicide oh, yeah. rate. Way but, higher suicide rate. Yeah, there's because like if you've gone reasons. your entire life of not being uh, like being not really being told, but almost like feeling like you're not supposed to feel. 
Right, and then you got the pressure. Yeah. It, again, it's socialized into this normative expectation that you be a provider and all this other shit. Like, mm-hmm. again, it does. It has a it has a profound impact on the minds of little boys. And then we grow up and we're like, no, no, I'm cool. Like, yep. I, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. Like, I'm yeah. good, man. Fuck, yeah, I'm good. Fuck, but we we don't just do that with your homies. You do that to yourself you too. To yourself. Like, you convince yourself that you like I'm. I'm not even supposed to feel that. Like, well, fuck it. Yep. And in reality, it's like decaying your ass Absolutely. from the inside out. Absolutely. Um, the next piece is anticipation. So, I like this one. As in, Brandon can anticipate an ass whooping. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he can anticipate an ass whooping for, for not speaking like he should. You have a voice. Sometimes. Look at that oh, green eyed tone. It's silky. beautiful. Yeah, yeah man. So anticipation that says, we dread the needle as it approaches, but once the poke is done, it's done. The anticipation of emotional pain, say a breakup with a lover or falling out with a friend, creates a lengthy creates lengthy states of unease leading up to the anticipated pain. Then reinforces uh, that pain days, months, or even years after the event. <sighs> that one is rough. Yuck. That man. one is real rough. Yeah, I was going to say ruck, but You're yuck. Rucky. Yeah. <laughs> it's, no, never Don't mind. Go down yeah, I'm rough. not. You already knew it, too. <laughs> All right. So there have, and you can think of times in, in relationships where you can see much, much earlier that you're like, this isn't going right. This isn't going right. And, and you don't do anything about it. And, Especially if the other person isn't doing anything about it. Now you're both prolonging. Well, maybe this. they don't know anything about it. They might not even be aware. They think sure. things Gucci. Yes. They That's might be possible. thinking it. Yes. Yes. But I want to say that I bet that most people, I, I give, I want to give people a lot more credit. I think that even people, I, <laughs> I think people can tell when a relationship is bad or is failing. Um, or is nearing its completion. And I think that a, there are a lot of people out there, especially married couples out here, where it's like, you guys should have been split a long-ass time ago. But think about all the people that serial like, break up. Like, they break yeah. up and then get back together. Like, yep. that's another pattern of behavior, too. Yeah. People would be yeah. like, no, this shit is done! Yeah. And that day, they, like, they're convinced of it. And they tell yeah. all the homeboys or homegirls about it. Mm-hmm. Man, fuck this motherfucker. Yeah. Did I tell you what he did to me? Yeah, yeah. And then the next day they back together. But or they're with someone else or something like that. The same type of person or something like yeah. that. But it's it's that anticipation when you feel like something's going on and, and sort of you just cr- that that lengthy. It's just why would you want to experience pain that long? So I don't like the relationship where like the guy always hangs out with his boys. He's just like, man, this is awful. But when he gets like back to his girl, it's just like everything's fine. That see, that's that's also anticipation. I feel like well, I think if you are anticipating it to to fail, yeah, then yeah, I, I think like, that that's he, messed up, man. He comes and tells you all the problems. Yeah, but, like he's not. And, and he's not, yeah, he's not doing anything to address them. I think a lot. Of, that's horrible. I think a lot of times, again, it's it's a. And it's overwhelmingly seems to be a pattern with dudes, but that's only shit that I see Mm because I don't really have a lot of female friends coming to me with the same kind of shit. But uh, dudes uh, like to act like they don't give a fuck as a badge of honor. Like they'll be like, man, she's stressing me the fuck out. I think she likes me too much. Uh, You know what I'm saying? Guys will be like, man, she. And I think women probably do it too. Like they'll be like, this. I mean, he's he's all right, but yeah. 
I think that, that sometimes human beings, I guess, get off on the notion that somebody wants them and some part of them, they're, they're like, no, you can't have this piece. Yeah, it's it's this disgustingly, like, bloated sense of self. And it like, it it's, I hate it, man. I hate it's it. Objectification. It's of like, you think you're being. that good where you're just like, oh, they like me too much. Like, kind of asshole are you well they, and i think that's kind of that's a disgusting thing it's but super it's disgusting. like but it's it's again it's a they're getting a fix oh yeah they're getting a fix off of it and shit. your brain loves it yeah your, your brain, brain loves, fucking it. loves it and, yeah and part of you, you feel generous because you're like oh this motherfucker's beneath me mm-hmm. but i'm showing them a little bit of love yep yep it's the goddamn atrocious <laughs> yeah. shit that human beings do to each other Yep. So the next one was uh, Phantom Pain, and obviously we we went in length about that, and, and so I'll skip over that. Then there's Addictive Pain. It says, perhaps the strangest way that emotional pain is worse than physical pain is the addictive quality that accompanies feeling bad. Yes, there are those who enjoy physical pain, but they are way outnumbered by those who receive a strange form of comfort via the sympathy of others. In extreme cases, yeah, it makes me throw up a little bit. In extreme cases, this type of person has a tendency to somehow always move from one emotional distress to another. This reason is why I don't like asking a lot of people like how their day is because I know that it's like, oh, here we. Somebody's gonna be like, oh, y'all wish I could say it was good, but uh, I'm I'm maintaining, uh, you know, hanging in there like a hair in a biscuit. Yeah, I'm just like, (laughs) God, shut up. What is it? They, they'll say, living the dream. And yep. you're like, oh, you hate your life. Yeah. <laughs> if I had any better, I'd have yours. It's I, like, I, I'd be twins. Yeah. You know what? I hate when really rich people say that shit to me. They're just like, trying to get like you. I was like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, like, <laughs> you, don't you patronize Dude, me. Don't patronize me, man. Come on. But yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, about addictive pain. Kiss it. Kiss it. <laughs> do, you, do you think that there's... Let's let's talk about an experience or someone that that maybe I watched deals with a that. video where um, I can't tell if he makes it. I, he's no, about no, to say no. something stupid. No, no. He was really he liked the emotional pain. Uh, he was addicted to all of that, like getting uh, broken up with or something like no, that, like or getting his uh, nuts stomped on by a dominatrix. And uh, <laughs> why? The, was, why was, are you like I had this? To change it because it was just it was so tormenting to me. I just didn't understand. Why are you like this? I don't know. He liked whips and shit too. <laughs> Oh my god! You allowed this to happen. I really did. You enabled that because I knew we were doomed. God, when he started talking and there was just this subtle, (laughs) and and he's smiling like a little deviant right now, dude. God, I don't like you at all. What are we even talking about? People (laughs) that like oh emotional pain, like emotional pain. God damn. Um, Those, I think, those are the worst because their brain, like their brain, thinks that this is good. You're getting that fix from the. You're getting yeah, and and I think that 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 person's heart knows that this is bad but they just keep going to it and it kind of makes me think of like people who have like these these people that have like food problems right like they know that it's bad that they continue to eat these you know like twinkies and shit like that but their brain says like you need this yeah that's man that's crazy dude and that's the difficult position that it, it puts you in from a social standpoint you um you consign your existence to sympathy and validation through other people. You're going to get your fix entirely through that sympathy. And to me, again, it reminds me kind of of the the psychological, I guess, uh, maladaptive response that's associated with uh, Munchausen's. Hmm. 
like you again they they're it's eliciting a pleasurable response for them to have this self-inflicted illness or series of illnesses that people are showing up at their bedside and mm-hmm. showing them attention that's the same kind of thing with emotional like when somebody's in a series of bad relationships it's real easy to get caught up in the idea of like woe is me woe, mm-hmm. like and they seek refuge with their friends and again those people probably aren't your friends yeah. if they just are like oh girl they're all like that uh some Look, you got to really when you when your homie or homegirl comes to you with that kind of shit and you've seen it, uh if you really give a fuck about them and you're willing to take a little heat for it, you got to be like, now I've seen that you do X Y and motherfucking Z, like the common factor here is your ass. It's you 100%. Yeah, but that's the difficult thing is that one I think we're socialized into thinking it's it's the polite thing to tell your homie or homegirl that you know, you you love them and you're invested in them, so you just automatically gonna take their side and you mm. feel like you're being a good friend. Yep. But on top of that, it it's easier. It's much fucking easier. It's path path of least resistance to just go along with it and be like, Yeah, you're right, and keep it moving. Cause mm-hmm. who they are to you hasn't changed. Yeah. So why would you go out of your way why, to yeah, address exactly. their shit and fix their shit? Yeah. And you got to assess, do you like seeing your friend be a train wreck because it makes yeah, you feel you like better about your, your shit? Repeat the same mistakes Yo, over and over I, and over. I think, again, I think that there's a selfish part of everybody and and there might be a, uh, and, and things can exist within the same vacuum. Part, yeah. part of, part of you might enjoy the fact that by comparison, you seem to have your shit together. Yeah. So you have no vested interest in stepping in on their mess of, of a bullshit, like yeah. that they're sounding off to you about. Mm-hmm. One hundred percent. I think people, and this is sort of an animalistic type of thing. We, the, an, an alpha always emerges out of any type of, out of any type of uh, two humans being together. There's always going to be one. Like that, Brandon's obviously the alpha. He's super the alpha. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Look at it. He just he's just like Whoa, you yeah. smug bitch. I yeah. swear. You guys are doing a good job. <laughs> he really just <laughs> alpha us, man. Yeah, he but. Did. You people do like knowing that they're do, that they're doing better. They do. Yeah. They absolutely love knowing that they're doing better than people, and uh, it's 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 shitty, dude. It's well, shitty. Well, and again, there's I think that same kind of social pattern that we were talking about with uh, it may have been even before we recorded. Fuck, I don't know where you you kind of feel like. If, if it's somebody that feels like they're better than somebody else that they're seeing or associating with even, some part of that person might even get off on the idea that they're like, I'm a good person because I hang out with this person that mm-hmm. like I'm way cooler than. Yep. What the fuck? Yeah. It's a, it reminds me of like when people do like a good deed, so to speak, but then they post like a picture of it on Instagram, like they're handing a homeless dude like a hundred dollar bill. Yeah. You were taking a picture with a human being like... You made it about you. Like they're a bison in yeah. Yellowstone National Park. Yep. Like you just did this shit and made it about your ass. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's something that we need to keep in check. But the problem is uh, you have to want to be a better fucking human being. Yeah, And I think that that's something we don't really 
we've neglected to point out for a long time is that none of this shit matters. None of the stuff that we're talking about matters one iota if you do not have the desire to improve who you are as far as like ethics and how you interact with the rest of the world. Yeah, and and to sort of loop that to the the basis or the point of this discussion, which is phantom pain, the when you recognize when that stuff is happening, your next step has to be I've got to try and figure this out. I've got that to try and fix shit. this. Yeah. Do what now? That internal shit. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. You have, to turn it in, you have to turn it inward. Yes, exactly. Now, th- now don't get me wrong. There's the element of self-preservation mm-hmm. where we make acknowledgments and take inventory about how much of a liability is this entity in my life and do I need to you know, audit my circle if yeah. it's a person. Don't get me wrong. You have to look at that shit. You have to be realistic about that stuff. But it's completely indispensable from the process of improvement to not turn at least some of yeah. the analysis inward. Mm-hmm. Were you about yeah, to say I something? I was going to say, if you, if you want to change the way you feel, choose to change the way you think and behave. That's fucking true. Absolutely. That's one of the best ways to address phantom pain, especially. You do have to recognize that it is just science. Like we literally broke it down. It's like it's just it's just chemicals. That's what it is. And when you see it as that and don't make it into more than that, it's freeing. It should allow you to just let that stuff go. Let that let that cut off limb be and just exist without that limb. And you'll probably realize you probably didn't need it that much. Yeah. You know? In the absence of lions and tigers and bears, mm-hmm. that imperative, that shock to our system that's accompanied like by these losses that mm-hmm. that otherwise served a purpose you know keeping us fucking alive we don't have to worry about lions and tigers and bears yeah but that's still a part of who we motherfucking are but we turn that shit into this type like the psychosocial loss yes and so guys if you like we've gone in good length i'm really loving where where we are with this um, if you want to read more about the other types of pain that we are talking about, go to www. Uh, con- what? Sorry, did I really mess that up? Sorry, kiss it again. I'm not doing it. Uh, www.aconsciousrethink.com. That's aconsciousrethink.com. It's got everything written down. What we were talking about, we just sort of broke down some of the concepts there. There's obviously more things there, but uh, again, phantom pain was just something that I wanted to to see if we can you know, attach a, a human element to. And I, th- I think that we did a really good job just approaching it. And so if you guys have anything else that you want to talk about with, with reference to pain, please let us know. Speaking of pain, one of our coming episodes is going to be called The Sins of Our Fathers. And we want to talk about uh, like pain that gets passed down from, from our parents. And so uh, I think that that is going to be a very interesting episode. Once Trauma get, can be translated across yes, generations. Across generations. Not even from a social standpoint, mm-hmm. it alters our DNA. Yes, absolutely. And so we want to be able to talk about that kind of stuff in time. We want to get the right speakers and the right type of panel because I think that's going to be a, a big uh, a big discussion. Slobber knocker. Yeah, it's going to uncover a lot of stuff and maybe it'll help people understand why they are the way they are. Uh, so do we have any shameless shout outs or anything like that? Before I want to give go? a shameless shout out to, uh, Tylenol cold and flu PM. <laughs> so just keeping me halfway functional. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> this shit has fucked me up. And then I think the pollen count in Kentucky is like 42 billion. 
See, I don't even know what the implications of that specifically mean, but I know. I, I'm just going to say there's 42 billion pollens. They, they, <laughs> yeah, there's so many inch. pollens. Do you know how many pollens is out today? <laughs> so many pollens. Who said there's 42 billion out just today? <laughs> I saw it. I, I see saw it. But I saw like 400,000 of them. I, all the time. <laughs> but I swear to God, that's the one that I don't believe in. I... I I have been completely destroyed from the combination of the fluctuating Kentucky weather and yeah. the pollen situation and then some kind of little upper respiratory bullshit. Yep, but yep. fuck it. Brandon, do you have any shameless shouts or anything like that? Uh, I mean, we already talked about it, but I mean, we went for a nice long bike ride today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we do plan on hitting a lot of different trails. That's mm-hmm. sort of our goal. So shout out to you. For keeping me motivated. Oh, thanks, babe. Yeah. No, I, I'm really glad to have been able to do that. It's a, it's also, it's a healthy habit that I'm, that I'm thankful that I've been able to sort of jump onto. Uh, I didn't think that I'd want to get back into, to mountain biking like I, like I have, but it's really, it's really caught on. And so it's again, it's I've talked about this in length. It's a good way for me to sort of connect with nature and sort of be out there and sort of connect with myself and, and put my body to the test when it comes to going on these different trails and learning how to adjust. And there were a couple of times while we were riding today where I truly did hit flow state. And when I was just like, literally we were going fast into some parts and I was like, I just was feeling my way through and it was really, really awesome. Tears were running down his face. No, no, because when I realized when like, when it, when I snapped out of it, I was like, I'm about to crash, you know what I'm saying? And so, it was uh it was really crazy though and you know we'll we'll have an episode again uh on things like on things dealing with flow state uh but I did want to give a uh, shout out to one podcast I found that was actually really funny um they did an episode the other day on psychedelic drugs and I've never heard them talk about it like this before but this podcast is called an uninformed opinion um, I believe they're out of Nashville uh, and so uh, these dudes are pretty funny. They are actually really funny. But uh, they provided a really cool perspective on on psychedelic drugs. But just their their nature and the chemistry that they have with each other is really really cool. And so um, I hope to learn more about the different um, podcast groups that are in the Nashville area. I think that's something that's starting to really pick up there. Um, I do want to give a, a shout out to In These Streets podcast. They are really growing. They are, they're just, they're, the, their following is really, really growing as well. I hope that their listeners, I think that they hit a milestone maybe a week or two ago where they, they got a thousand downloads and I thought that that's fucking great. Dope. And so it's good to see podcasters, uh, really grow there. That's, you can see all the tread, the trends is that podcasting is becoming the new, it's the new way to get your information and to get your entertainment. And so I encourage you all, if you have friends that don't listen to podcasts, get them into them, you know, especially get them listening to ours. I think that's, we, we've got a, a bunch of cool discussions and I think we've really come a long way. So I'm very and, excited about and everything. The thing. We're just oafs wandering in the goddamn woods. Yeah. And, and I'm not making, I know I sound like it, but I'm not making any kind of like uh, statement to, that you and I are experts on any Hell of this no shit. Hell no, we aren't. No, I'm just I'm just willing to try and learn about I'm something. Willing to be goddamn wrong, yeah, or at least partially wrong, yeah, you know. But uh, yeah, we're just trying to figure this shit out. Yep. And if you want to listen and accompany us, then all the fucking better. But yes. if it's not your jam, 
then peace out. Like we ain't got time for your bullshit. I love it. I love it. All right, guys. Uh, I do want to give one to uh, uh, Bartley Weaver. Oh, yeah. Want to give one to uh, uh, Tyler Young. Ryan Hines. Ryan Hines. Josh Biggs. Uh, You guys are awesome. Thank you all for everything that you guys are doing. Um, I know Bartley has a competitive eating thing coming up here soon. It's a mutton competition. Yeah. Oh, that's, I thought, I think you're supposed to eat the most amount of mutton in like 10 minutes or it something like so that. Sounds so good. But it I sounds good, like, but I would, I would, I would mutton thr- yeah, ever again. Yeah. I would never <laughs> eat mutton afterwards. Uh, and so um, I'd like to, I'd like to talk with him about that, that big difference because you see Barley, he's a bodybuilder, but he's also a competitive eater. Well, and that's what we talked to him more in terms of his, uh, his business mm-hmm. and uh, and him being a bodybuilder, yeah, as opposed to his compet. I don't think we focused. We didn't much. really focus too much so on we the competitive him, eating. If he's down, we have yeah. him on in, in the capacity. And, of yeah, the- and I want to talk about it with like some food here or something like that. Dude, <laughs> like how fast can you eat? Didn't this he thing? just? Is he going? He's competing with somebody that's a bad. I think it's the dude that won the uh, the Nathan's hot dog eating contest. Maybe Joey Chestnut. Joey Chestnut. Yeah, I think he's gonna he, be there. I, I, I saw that. That is gonna be crazy because I think that dude in the Nathan's hot dog thing he ate like seventy two hot dogs or something like that. Like I'm good at three, <laughs> and I'm like I'm like ready to be like all right. I've had enough hot dogs, and I yeah. love Nathan's hot dogs. So uh, that was that's gonna be some interesting shit whenever that goes down. Uh, do we have anything else before we go? No, I don't think so. I was like, we could just... Yeah, just dangle our tongues around. Yeah. All right, that's enough. That is enough. All right, guys. Thank you all so much for your time and attention. We hope you all enjoyed this episode. As always, if you have any feedback for us, if you have any ideas that you want to talk about, please reach out and let us know. Um, oh, shit, I do have one. I want to give out give a shout out to my boy, my boy JP. Uh, he's got a, a new business where he does like custom golf clubs and stuff like that. It's like hefty hefty lefty club works. I think it's what it is. Uh, I'll get the proper name, but he's doing some really cool shit. If you're into golf, you want some custom stuff done, uh, hit up my boy JP. And I do want to have him at some point on our episode. But again, thank you all for your time. Thank you for listening, and I believe we're out. Peace. Once again. <laughs>